Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Sandoval, happy to be here um, to talk about our faith, our spiritual faith and our physical faith and our mental faith and really the health that comes with that. A lot of uh, frustrations, I think, for a lot of people as we are here in starting the Lenten season. Um, you know, we just started Lenten, Lent uh, last Wednesday uh, by the time we listen to this show. And it's an interesting time of Lent um, because I think, you know, it becomes like an all or nothing. It becomes a very frustrating time for a lot of people. You know, a lot of my patients who want to come and talk about uh, what's going on in their lives think that Lent is an all or none kind of season. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. And what does that mean? How do we want to approach Lent? What is it that we want to um, accomplish? Uh, and really, are we, what are we really preparing ourselves for? We say that we're preparing ourselves for Easter, but is that really what we're preparing ourselves for during Lent? Are we doing that conscientiously or not? But hey, here at the top of the 10 o'clock hour, let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And with the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. What a beautiful prayer the Our Father is, you know, because it, it, for many obvious reasons, really, but uh, I would say the most important reason, that's the one that Christ taught us to pray himself. That's the one that there can't be a more perfect prayer than that because it didn't come from human lips. It came from, well, it came from Christ while he took on a human nature, but it came from the divine person of the second person of the Trinity. If I'm praying the Our Father, I have to re recognize and realize that there's not going to be a more perfect prayer out there. I mean, other prayers, people will ask, geez, Dr. Sandoval, what prayer uh, can I do for especially in the deliverance ministry, what's the one prayer I need to pray to get rid of any malice in my life, anything that's bad in my life? And I think people are looking for, you know, something unknown, something, some kind of a hidden prayer that nobody else knows about, something um, that's going to be way more intense or uh, more awe-inspiring uh, than any other prayer out there. And the reality is something as simple as the Our Father which we kind of think of as, gosh, bread and butter prayer, you know, especially if you were born a cradle Catholic. Um, you don't think of any other prayers really. I mean, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be are kind of the bread and butter prayers that everybody knows. But the Our Father coming from Jesus Christ himself is complete in every way. But it tells us a lot about, I think, how we need to approach Lent and why that is important. Um, let's break it down. Let's look a little bit at the Our Father. This is how we need to approach Lent, and this is how we we can have a fruitful Lent. But before we approach that, let's look at some of the things that people were afraid of. You know, a lot of people coming into Lent, what's the purpose? 
We want to amend our lives. We want a change in our lives. That's really why people come to see the doctor or the therapist. Anyway, why do we go do a doctor's visit? Why? Why, why do people go to the doctor? We don't go to the doctor when we're healthier, when we're feeling good. You know, for the most part, I would say 95%, maybe some people do, but you could say, oh, I'm coming here for my yearly physical or whatnot. Sure, that's that's not self-motivated. That's uh, uh, just a check-in, check-up, and you got to, and, that, and that's good. But when people want to make an appointment, when people call in and say, I need to make an appointment, 95% of the time, why is that? It's because something changed. Something happened. Um you know, even if somebody say has high blood pressure, or diabetes, or you know, let's or let's say they have a cancerous type situation, um, there's different reasons people will call regularly. But for the most part, if somebody's healthy, why do they go to the doctor? Something happened. I hurt my arm. I fell down and I broke uh, my arms. Or you know, all of a sudden I have this new cold and it's not going away and I have a headache and it's just started, you know, a couple months ago and hasn't gone away. There's a few different reasons that people will come in, but usually there's a change, something happened um, and there might be pain involved with it, but it's something that happened that stopped the way that we're able to accomplish things in life. If I have a cold, maybe I can't go to work. Um, if I broke my arm, obviously there's, I'm gonna be limited in so many physical ways. Something happened. Something happened in my life, and, and it's not good. And I think that in our spiritual lives, I don't know that we get those reminders right away. And you know that we need to go check in for our daily physical, not a yearly physical, or a daily spiritual, shall we call it? Um, when we do our daily prayers, when we do things like that. But a lot of times, we don't go and start praying. We don't go to church. We don't go to Christ until something happens in our lives. You know, gosh, my kid's not doing well, or where my spouse and I, are, our marriage is awful, or, you know, my grandmother is about to pass away, she's in the hospital, something along those lines, sometimes is what draws us to call God and, and to uh, um, try to see, gosh, all the spiritual promises. God, I, if you can just help me out here, if you can cure my grandmother, if you can help uh, my relationship, my spouse, I promise I'm going to do this or that or that. And also we want to change our lives. You know, it's kind of like going to the doctor and you find out, oh, what's going on? Well, gosh, my vision's been off. I can't see. I need to, oh, well, gosh, you have out of control blood sugars. You know, you got to you gotta change your life unless you want to lose your vision. I promise I'm going to, you know, or I'm going to put you on medication and a lot of patients don't want medication. That's when they say it. I promise I'm going to diet, exercise and do all the right things and I don't want to take medication. Well, you know, these are your options, but something happened. There was a big change. Couldn't see any. Sugars are out of control. Now you, you need to make changes in your life. I think that that's where, um, that's the point where we meet God a lot of the time. Lent is a little bit different. Lent, is, I think, is a little bit more along the lines of, hey, you got to do your yearly check-in. You got to come in, and every year now, all of a sudden, you got to do a spiritual check-in. Why is that? A lot of people say, eh, I'm just going to give stuff up. You know, it goes to the extremes. I've, I've heard the extremes from people. Some people come into Lent and they say, this is it, all or none. I'm changing my life forever. I'm going to be so spiritual. I'm going to almost be monastic and I'm going to go into prayer and I'm, my whole life is going to change from now on. That's pretty, I'm just all in and everything's going to change. Okay. Other people will come into it and say, you know, 
I'm going to give up chocolate for 40 days until I get to Easter. Yeah, it'll be tough, but then I'm going to gorge on my chocolate when it comes to Easter, or I'm going to give up alcohol, or I'm going to give up whatever it is people think that they need to give up. And I think that there are two big extreme ways of approaching Lent. Not necessarily the healthiest, especially from a mental health point of view, because I would equate it to this. Okay, we're going to do our, our check-in. And I think this is good because it's always good to do the yearly check-in. It's always good to come in for the yearly physical because it's not necessarily a time where it should be stressful or where, um, you know, things are going to, you're coming in with a conditional approach to our spirituality of God, if you do this favor for me, I'm going to, you know, do this in return. We do that so many times just when things happen, but Lent is different. Lent is our check-in. It's a mandatory yearly check-in. It's that physical. Um, that coming in to just see, hey, where are you at? A lot of times at those physicals is where people find things out. Like, hey, doc, I'm here. It's been a year. You know, gosh, you know, I missed last year. It's been two years. Or I haven't come in three years, so I'm just going to check in. So let's just see where things are at. And for those patients, what we do is we say, yeah, let's uh, get all of our, you know, run some labs. Let's take a look at all your systems. You know, we're going to check your neurological system. We're going to check your your cardiovascular system. We're going to check your endocrine system. We're going to do all these things because it's your, your yearly physical is to do a general approach. But a lot of times at those physicals is where people start to find things out. They come in and they say, gosh, you know, I haven't been here for a while. We run the test and we're like, wow, since last year, this happened to you. Gosh, you didn't feel uh, any changes. You didn't feel any chest pain. You didn't feel any, you know, your blood pressure is a little bit out of control. Your cholesterol is really high. What happened? You know, I felt fine, doc. I, I didn't think I needed to come in. That's true. You're, if you have high cholesterol and, and high blood pressure, you're not going to feel it. By the time you feel it, if you feel it, boy, that's really too late. You got to check yourself, man. But that means that you've been doing something throughout the year. You haven't been taking care of yourself. That happens. Other times what happens is people come in and it's just cruising and, and that's good. And that's just, they've been taking care of themselves. They haven't done anything different. I think Lent is a good check-in in that sense and not go the extremes because otherwise if we do this if we say this is it my life is going to change forever and i'm going to be totally monastic it's kind of like i equate that to uh, new year's resolutions you know people come into the new year thinking new year means new life and for the most part the most classic one is everybody's going to go to the gym and get in great shape <clears throat> and they wait until january because that's when all the festivities are done and all the bad food's been eaten and they're you know everybody's going to work out Okay, that's one way to look at it. Um, but how long do those people, how long does anybody really stick to their New Year's resolutions? Do we set up realistic New Year's resolutions? You know, the other extreme is, gosh, I'm going to come into Lent. I'm going to give up chocolate, I'll give up soda, I'll give up something for 40 days and I'm just going to cruise. But what did that do for your spiritual life? Did that change anything for you? Did it really um, put you in a position where all of a sudden you feel like, hey, I'm way healthier spiritually. I think the best approach to Lent is when somebody comes in for their yearly checkup and everything looks good, I usually tell them, okay, well, what's your what's your fitness goal? What's your mental health goal for the next year before your next checkup? If we find something that doesn't look good, okay, let's take a look at that. Let's see what we're, what we're working with. Um, and if they're of the extreme of, doc, I want to just be happy all the time, I want to change my life. Well, we got to have to do a little work. Let's talk about our approach to that when we come back from the break and see how does the Our Father How can we approach it from an Our Father point of view to make it a healthy, spiritually enriching. More after the break. Mm-hmm. 
All right, folks. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about what is a therapeutic approach to Lent? What is the best way that we can approach Lent in a way that we don't get frustrated um, because we don't feel overwhelmed and also a way that we're not, you know, just kind of cruising through trying to um, gold brick, as they say in the gym, you know, just take an easy approach to Lent and say, oh, I'll make a quick sacrifice and just kind of, you know, fulfill my Lent and promise that way. Um, it's a challenging time. It's a challenging time, I think, because more than anything else, just like going to the doctor, like I was talking about before, we don't like to do it. We don't like to do it because something might be revealed to us that we didn't know before, something that we can't see. I can't see all my lab values. I can't see my sodium, my potassium, my hemoglobin, my hematocrit, my platelets. I can't see all that. I have to go to a laboratory. I have to go get blood drawn. And then they have to spin it. They have to look at it. They have to process it. And then all the results come out. And those can be scary. How are my labs? What's it look like? What number is coming up? Am I still healthy? Am I not healthy? Oh, man, I'm not healthy. Oh, okay. Whew. I'm healthy even though I haven't been doing You know, we, we take this approach in many ways. And that's for the physical health. Why don't we like to go to the psychiatrist? I tell you, I'm not a very popular doctor. Definitely not part, popular at parties. You go to a party, you're having a good time, you're having a great conversation. And people, one of the first things they want to know is, oh, what do you do? Gosh, I'm in, I'm in the health field. Well, what kind of, what kind of uh, job do you have? Well, I'm a doctor. Oh, okay. Well, what kind of, well, mental health. Oh, people will walk away. We don't like to, because they start to say, are you analyzing me? What's going on? You're a psychiatrist? What? So we don't like to hear that. We don't like to, we don't like to think that, you know, somebody might be able to see something about ourselves that we're not ready to reveal, where it's afraid it's the unknown. I think Lent can kind of bring that out in us as well, where if I'm going to go into Lent and I realize that it's a time to, more than anything else, take a look at myself and fast and really evaluate my spiritual life, which means I'm going to be looking at my sins. You know, what does, what does that mean? Do I want to go there? No, there's a lot of things I don't want revealed about myself. I'm, I, I'd rather go through life happily, blissfully ignorant of my imperfections, my spiritual imperfections, because if I look at them, they're ugly. If I look at them, then maybe I'm not the person I thought I was. If I look at them, maybe I have to go ask people for forgiveness because maybe I've hurt people along the way. And that's not easy. You know, it's never easy to do. These are hard things to, to grapple with, but is that the approach we want to have for Lent? Or do we want to have the approach of, you know what? I realize I'm not perfect. I'm going to have to face that. And I think I'm going to improve. It's kind of like going to the gym and getting on the scale. Do I want to really get on that scale? Yeah, I can walk around without getting on the scale and just kind of be happy. But if I go to the gym and get on the scale, I have all the equipment I need to start moving, to start getting in better shape, to start feeling happier. You know, it's one of these things that if I can approach Lent in that fashion, then maybe it's not so scary because I might find things that I don't like, but there's hope. There's hope to change. I think our our focus has to be there. Our focus has to be on, well, yeah, I might find out some things that aren't good, but that means that it's just an opportunity to improve. You know, if you ever go into business or you're ever into, if anybody's ever taken business courses or has to run a business, 
you don't, you, you never look at something like, oh, this is a failure. You say, okay, how can we improve from this? What did we do? Did we mark it correctly? Did we not mark it correctly? What is it that we need to do? How can we improve um, based on where we want to be, what our goals are? So I think that that's one of the places we need to start with Lent is what is our goal? What's really the purpose? What's my goal for Lent? Is it to give up chocolate just to see if I can make it 40 days without chocolate or soda or some kind of a um, hobby or TV or whatever it is? Is it just a, a, a race to see what I can deprive myself of for 40 days that I'm going to be able to do again? If I do deprive myself of something for 40 days, it's not a bad thing. What's the purpose? What's the goal? We got to keep asking ourselves, what is the goal? Let's start with the Our Father here because I think it's a good approach. I think it's a great approach because it is the perfect prayer. There's no there's no way around it. I mean, if you when we pray it, and we're going to read through it right now, it is so dense because it's only a couple paragraphs. And it's so dense in those two paragraphs that it really contains, you know, the whole, I think it was, uh, let me see here. Yeah, here's a quote. It's a quote from St. Tertullian, excuse me, or from Tertullian. Um, and this is coming out of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, actually. Uh, this quote, it's 2761. The Lord's Prayer is truly the summary of the whole gospel. Since the Lord, after handing over the practice of prayer, said elsewhere, Ask and you will receive, and since everyone has petitions which are particular to his circumstances, the regular and appropriate prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is said first as the foundation of future desires. I think that this is important, and this is why the Our Father should be our basis or our our um, cornerstone, our, our stepping stone for Lent, for our approach to Lent, because it's the foundation of everything. Let's go through. Let's see here. The Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven. I think, you know, it's been analyzed many ways, and you're probably not going to hear anything new, but really what I want to think of it is, how can I approach this from a Lenten point of view? What I like is this. It's our Father. Our Father. It, God belongs to all of us. God the Father belongs to all of us. It's not my Father, your Father. It's our Father. But the fact that we're approaching God as our Father tells me a few things. When we think about our families, whether they were perfect or not, whether we got along with our parents or not, whether, um, you know, regardless of what our household was like, there was a family that we found somewhere. And it might not have been our biological parents or that there might have been somebody who was a father figure. We can analyze that to death. But the fact that we use the word father, one, it already puts us in the context of family. But two, and more importantly, it tells us we're not alone in this. This isn't my Lent. This is really a family affair. It's a family Lent. Our religion as Catholics is not my religion. It's a family religion. We're in it together. There's a communion of saints. And we all have one Father. We have a Father in heaven. That's where the Father is. So I like that the next part is our Father who art in heaven. Who am I addressing here? Let's be very specific. It's kind of like, uh, um, you know, if you ever listen to Father Ripper's talks, whatever you pray for, you better be very specific about it. Prayer is very specific. And so we're specifying here as I put my words out into spiritual space and I say, our father, well, let's specify who we're talking about. Who is my father? Who is it that I uh, look to as a father is my father who is in heaven, nowhere else. I'm speaking to heaven. I'm speaking to um, paradise. I'm speaking to the place that we all want to get to. Let's be very specific. It's not our father of the universe, our father of creator, our father, you know, thank you for making plants, our father, wherever you are. No, it's not about that. 
That's very specific. Our Father who art in heaven. There is no other question about it. Which Father are we talking about? We're talking about God the Father. My Lenten start, my start to Lent, is going to be under the guise of my family, and it's going to be under the guise of I am approaching the Father. If I approach the Father and I tell him, you know, God, I gave up chocolate. Is that good enough for you? God's going to say, I don't know, you tell me, is that good enough for you? You know, if you go to the gym and you say, gosh, I lifted, uh, you know, I did 10 repetitions. Is that good enough for everybody? We're going to say, I don't know, what was your goal? What, what was the purpose of that? Why did you lift? Why did you do 10 repetitions of weights? Why did you lift the weight 10 times? Was that good enough for you? Was that your goal? Okay. That is great. I think God's going to turn that on us and he's going to say, well, why are you here? Because if we haven't analyzed that, if we're, if we're going into Lent without analyzing why we're here, then what's the purpose? You know, are we really going to reach our goal? And that's the question. What's our goal? What's our purpose? Hallowed be thy name. Why is that important? We can look at it from many reasons or, or many approaches or many angles. Hallowed be thy name. We can look at it from the angle of, well, it's the second commandment. You got to, you know, keep the Lord's name holy. As I'm coming into Lent, what does that mean? I think it goes back to the first sentence of the Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I think we need to look at this as a family name. As I come into Lent and I'm saying, well, what am I approaching here? What am I doing? I'm approaching God the Father in the time of Lent. And I have to realize that hallowed be thy name, because that's the name that you're giving us. We're going into, it's like coming into a family. You take on a last name. Everybody has a last name. Why? That's your family name. People want to know your first name. That's fine. But your last name is really where you belong. We're going to have a first name, but I believe we're going to have, I personally believe, and there's nothing in the scriptures about this, but I believe we're all going to have a common last name in heaven, regardless um, of who we are, where we came from, what our first name is. You know, the gospel tells us we're going to be given a new name, but at the same time, this is our father, hallowed be thy name. I'm thinking we're all going to get the same last name and I'm going to be whatever my first name is going to be, Dr. Sandoval of the father. I think our last name is going to be of the father. That's the way I approach Lent. If I'm coming into Lent, I'm going to improve my spirituality. Who am I? I belong to the family of the Father. What can I do to belong to this family? Well, that comes into the next sentence. Thy kingdom come. Well, actually, let's read the rest of it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's rules to follow when we're part of a family. Am I of the Father? Am I coming to Lent realizing the whole reason I need to do an introspection spiritually is because I really got to ask myself, have I been living my life as part of the family of the kingdom, the kingdom that is to come, the kingdom that can be here on earth, and thy will be done? That's the part where we say, okay, I'm part of this family, I'm part of the family of heaven, thy will be done, which means there's house rules. You belong to any family, there's there's rules of the house. You know, you see it in so many movies, you hear about it in so many, as long as you live under my roof, you're going to live under my rules. And that's the truth. I think it doesn't come from human nature. I think it comes from divine inspiration. I think that's the way God, you know, works. He's saying, you want to come into heaven? There's some rules that you need to follow. And we got to decide, we got to recognize that we are his children. We will never be the owners of heaven. I'm never going to be the man of the house in heaven or anything along those lines. I'm going to be of the Father. I'm going to be under somebody's rules, and I got to decide, do I want his rules or do I want mine? You know, it's an interesting perspective to have, and it's an interesting place to be um, when we start to think, hey, why am I going into Lent? Because 
most people, most of us, even when the people come to therapy, I'll tell you, we come on our terms. You know, I'm going to go into that on my terms. I'm going to uh, change this. I'm going to change this about myself because I decided that that's what I'm going to do. People come to therapy too, and they come in, and a lot of people come in with an internet printout. They come in with already telling me what they need prescribed, and they have an agenda. You know, doc, I've diagnosed myself. This is what I have, and this is what I need prescribed, and this is what you're going to do for me. And I come and I say, I don't even know who you are. I let's how about we talk? And you're all you want me to do is kind of approve your goal. But really, I, you know, I don't know you that well. You, this is day one. I realize you got this printout, but I'm finding out a few things about you. One, this is not terrible. This is good. I, I think you've done your research. I think you understand certain things. You might be right. I don't know. But how about we sit and talk about it? How many times do we stop and sit and talk with God about his expertise, what he knows based on our life? Or do we come in with our will? with our internet printout, with our spiritual printout and say, God, this is what I need. This is what's happening. This is, and God might be like, wow, that's nowhere near where you're even at. You, you know, you might not even need that medication. You read about it, it sounds great. When we come back from the break, we're gonna look a little bit more at the Our Father, how we can use this as our stepping stone to Lent. And then we're gonna talk about what really comes down to what we really wanna get out of. All right, folks, welcome back to Georgia Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about how we approach Lent. What is it that we do? Lent is a challenging time. It can be a challenging time for people because it can feel like a very dark time. I think sometimes when we do try to um, just do a quick, uh, you know, I'm giving this up, that up. <clears throat> sometimes people do it just because it's fun. They don't have anything else as a challenge. A lot of times we do it because we really don't want to go deep and it's scary. I've been there. I mean, there's many times of Lent where, you know, gosh, I don't want to think about it. I'm not living a good life right now. I'd rather just, you know, you know what, I'll give something up simple and just move on, move along my way. Um, so there's things that we need to consider when it comes to what is it that we're doing? How are we approaching Lent? It, it doesn't have to be a dark time. I think it can be an, actually an exciting time where we really look at that personal relationship with God. And I would say the most exciting thing to do during Lent, spiritually, you know, yeah, everybody has their own ideas, is to really do something where you don't really tell anybody else about it. I'm going to work on my pride. I'm going to work on um, looking at all the virtues. I'm going to work on the corporal works of mercy. But I'm not going to tell anybody about it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do this, and it's going to be between me. My only conversation is going to be with God. I think that that's going to be kind of, uh, or that kind of approach is much more fruitful because then the focus is actually not even on me. I think when we start telling people what we're doing for Lent or what our approach is, we have those expectations. I think it's best when we set a goal, don't talk about it. Make it your own, your personal spiritual goal, and you're going to see some fruit coming out of that. We've been looking at the Our Father. How does this, what does this have to do with my approach with Lent? It's the perfect prayer. It doesn't get any better. Jesus taught it to us. It has everything contained in there. And I think that when we look at it, we will um, we will really get an understanding a, little, a lot more about where is it that we come from, what are we going to, and what is our goal. Well, we read the first part of the Our Father, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We finished off before the break. Why on earth as it is in heaven? Because we've got to align our will with the Father's will and really look at the fact that the Father's will is going to be much more perfect 
than whatever I can come up with for myself. As I approach Lent and think about what do I want to do spiritually, the real question is, well, if I go to the clinic, if I go to a therapy session, do I really want advice from the doctor or do I want to tell the doctor what advice he needs to give me? Hopefully we get in there and we think, I'm going to humble myself enough to realize that somebody might know better or see things that I don't see, that I might not want to see about myself. But they're there to give me a good plan. They're there to take care of me. We assume the same of God the Father. If we approach the Our Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> I'm going to go with your will. What is your prescription, God of the Father? What is it that you want me to do? Tell me your prescription. And let me see how, what kind of medication I need to take. Let me see what kind of therapy sessions I need. And if they're guided by you, I think they're going to be moderate. You know, when people come to me, I don't always tell them, gosh, you need to change this overnight. I let them know, okay, let's take this one step at a time. Let's maybe start with therapy sessions. Let's start with, or, you know, depending on the person, everybody's going to need something different. Let's start with medication. Let's start with whatever it is. And that's really where the next part of the Our Father comes in. Give us this day our daily bread. I think we all know that. When Jesus prayed it, our daily bread, we automatically think of communion. We automatically think of, you know, receiving the Eucharist. And I think that that's perfect. I think that that's our medication. And I think the funny part is, is that even though we're all receiving the same Eucharist, I think it's different medication for each individual person because we each have a different relationship with Jesus. When I receive communion, it's going to be a different reception of communion than when you receive communion, even though it's the same Christ. Even though we're at the same mass, even though it was the same consecration, it's going to heal us in different ways because we are individual people and Christ recognizes that. God recognizes that. God of the Father recognizes that. And when we come to Christ, he's going to give us individual medication. This is just like when I tell people, hey, this is your prescription. Don't share it with anybody. I don't know what their situation is. I don't know what their um, needs are. All I know is I've spoken to you. I haven't spoken to them. While it might suffice, they need to come and get their own evaluation to see if the same medication works. With Christ, this is where our relationship's individual and it's extra special to have our own private conversation with God and to say, God, this is what I am doing for Lent. Um, you let me know, guide me if this is correct. This is the medication I think I need. Um, but I'm going to come to communion, stop and listen to what you need. I'm going to let you guide me. That relationship's going to be different for each individual person. And that's where Lent can become very, very special. It's good to have spiritual directors sometimes if we're scared, if we feel like, you know, I don't know that I can um, move forward. It's great to have spiritual directors um, to give us perspective. Because sometimes we think, oh, I can't do this. And they say, no, just try doing this or try going to a holy hour. But really listening to that and letting, allowing that be our guide, that's going to be our daily bread. Give us our daily nourishment, spiritual nourishment. Let me know what I need to do to continue to move forward. Now, here comes, I think, the gist of Lent and the hard part and the next few lines. The next part of the Our Father, we've recognized who God is. We've recognized that God's going to guide us. And now comes a part where a lot of people find it very, very challenging. And it's like I tell my priest friends, I think I listen to all the confessions and I think they do a lot of therapy sessions because people will come to me and during therapy sessions will reveal some of the most intimate parts of their life. And a lot of parts are very sinful. Uh, a lot of parts are um, holding on to pride and anger and unforgiveness. And as a therapist, as a Catholic therapist, I, I mean, obviously I can't forgive them. I'm not a priest, but as they're confessing their sins, I ask them, have you spoken to a priest about this? Have you gone to confession? 
a lot of times I tell them, you know, we can't move forward in your therapy sessions. We can't move forward until you go to confession. It just, it's not going to work because you're holding on to these things. And until that's resolved, until you go to make a good confession and get absolution from your sins, I can't keep going with your therapy sessions because you're holding on to this. Why? Because, you know, we don't teach about guilt and we don't teach about forgiveness and therapy at all. That's not in the DSM. Unforgiveness is not in the DSM. It should be. You know, if you're not able to get to the point where you forgive your trespassers, because what does the Our Father tell us? And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is hard to swallow because it doesn't say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who we think deserve forgiveness for trespassing against us, or as we forgive those who are easy to forgive, or as we forgive those who trespass against us, except this person or that person or this sin or that sin, or, you know, I was abused as a child, or I was, um, you know, in a domestic violence relationship, or I was, um, you know, manipulated, or I somebody stole from me, or I got beat up, or, uh, you know, by a bully, or whatever it is. It just says, forgive us the way I'm going to forgive. I think that this is where Lent comes in, because now all of a sudden it's the introspection. We're asking you to forgive us, Father. We're asking you to make all this stuff go away. But this is the first line where all of a sudden it turns and we say, hey, this is what I'm going to do for my part. I'm going to forgive those who trespass against us. I want you to forgive me based on this rule. Now, keep in mind, Jesus said, by whatever ruler you measure, you will be ruled as well. You will be measured as well. So whatever I'm not willing to forgive, you know, I'm not going to be forgiven for either. We can say, gosh, that person really treated me poorly. I can't forgive them. At some point, Christ might say, well, okay, you can't forgive him for that, but then I can't forgive you for this particular sin, which kind of equates to what you're blaming that person for. A lot of that is pot and kettle. Isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? Um, I have to look back on anything in my life or look at situations in life and say, I got to be able to forgive everybody for everything if I'm going to make it into heaven. And it's like I always say, you know, ask me right now, can I forgive everybody? Sure. If you bring up the sin that somebody did against me, can I forgive it? Yeah, I can forgive it. Why? Because if it means that by not doing that, I can't get into heaven, it's not worth it. Whatever abuse I think I've experienced, whatever uh, injustice I think I've experienced, whatever, um, you know, any kind of trespass I think I've experienced, if it means going into heaven, who cares? I, you know, that person, I don't know what they were going through. I don't know where their mind was. Christ taught us himself. I mean, and this is not piecemeal. Christ taught us himself as he's being nailed to the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I got to have that approach. Whoever did something against me, was it really against me? I don't think they know what they were doing. They weren't seeing me as a child of God at that point. And whenever I sinned against somebody, I was not seeing them as a child of God at that point. Those are just the facts of life. Am I ready to go into heaven? Am I ready to forgive? This is where Lent comes in. Because regardless of what I want to improve for myself, I really got to do this for the kingdom of God. Am I ready to forgive people? Am I ready to let go of things so that I can be forgiven in turn? You know, it takes me back to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says, Why do you seek the speck in your neighbor's eye, but you do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, Let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Well, here's the important part. 
with this, this is a pretty harsh gospel if we think about it, because we're very, very quick to look at what people are doing, who did something wrong, who said something wrong, who did whatever it is that they did. Um, we have to, this is telling us stop, look at your own faults. You have a much bigger fault than, than that person that you are pointing the finger at. We can look at it that way. And that's a harsh gospel that way You're saying, Hey, they're, they're, you got problems, man. <laughs> you got, there's something wrong. Um, before you start looking at other people's problems, take a look at your own, you know, before you start telling people what to do, start living your life in a certain way. You know, that's definitely the way that we can look at this. And, and that's the way it comes across. I would also say there's another part to this. There's another angle that we need to take a look at this from even looking into the, our father, and even look and looking into this gospel reading. Um, because if we look at this from the approach of forgiveness, we can definitely see the message of you got to forgive your neighbors. No question about that. I mean, that's obvious. Forgive, you know, forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Don't look at the speck in your neighbor's eye before you look at the log in your own eye. Take yours out first. I think what we're not hearing here, though, and what happens a lot, but I see a lot in therapy sessions, and I think what happens to us a lot, especially as we're going through Lent, we feel a heaviness because part of the line, as we forgive those who trespass against us, let's take a step back and ask ourselves, how many times do we trespass against ourselves? How many times do we do something that we know we shouldn't be doing, that we know is not going to be the best for us, but we do it anyway for a moment of enjoyment, for a moment of passing pleasure for a moment of not being embarrassed in front of our friends for a moment of take your pick how many times did we do that we come back from the break we're going to see what that means and the final line of the evil what's going to happen when we do start our life and journey after the break all right folks welcome back to breaking most powerful radio Today, we're talking about how are we going to approach Lent this year. Not an easy topic to discuss. Why? Because Lent's not always the best time in the world. where We want Easter, but we don't always want our Good Friday, right? Our Holy Thursday and Good Friday, Holy Week. The time when Christ really showed us, hey, nothing in this world matters. Focus everything, your whole life, towards heaven. Well, before the break, we were talking about... Let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye. How do you handle that? First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. But what does that mean? You know, if we look at it, we've been looking at the Our Father. We've been looking at how can we break this down for our approach to Lent. We started off by saying, hey, we've got to recognize what family we belong to. I think that, if nothing else, why am I doing this? Part of a family. I'm acknowledging that God probably has a better prescription for my life than I do. I'm going to turn my will over to him. I know where God is. I know that I'm trying to reach heaven, and I'm going to try to be that link between heaven and earth in my heart. I'm going to try to see if I can join my will to that of God the Father, not tell him what prescription I need, but listen really to, you know, tell him what my symptoms are, tell him what I think I'm going through, and see what he has to say about it. We're asking for our daily bread. Please give us our nourishment. Please let us know, um, obviously, Holy Communion, but... <clears throat> fortify us every day. Let me know what I need to do to get better. Give me my daily medication, what it is that's going to sustain me. And now we're talking about forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Before the break, I was saying, 
How many times do we stop to recognize? How many times do I trespass against myself? I think one of the biggest challenges there is, <clears throat> as we forgive those who trespass against us, if I've trespassed against myself, are we good at forgiving ourselves for the things we've done? How many times do we go to confession and we are super scrupulous? We don't know how to forgive ourselves. The problem with scrupulosity is that it leads to people thinking, hey, you know, if I uh, if I did all this, I'll never be forgiven. And that's obviously not true of God the Father. He says he's going to forgive every sin, except for that one, except for us saying, I'll never be forgiven. Why? Because that's going to lead towards... I'll never be forgiven. God's never going to forgive me, which is a lie. I'm already lying about God. I feel like I can't be forgiven. I'm going to, and then what's going to happen when we come before the throne of God? No, I can't be forgiven. Well, with that approach, with that attitude, if I come before God and he's telling me, no, I forgive you, but you got to accept that. No, how can you possibly, I'm just so bad. God, you're never going to forgive me. That's it. I'm going to go to hell. Snap out of it. I'm going to forgive you. Come into heaven. Do you want heaven? Oh, I don't know. All of a sudden, our sins have become greater than the power of the mercy of God. You know, that's one of the problems of scrupulosity. People need to go to confession every day, not out of um, true repentance for their sin, but really out of fear, out of an unfounded fear. And it's a very challenging place to be. It reminds me of treating people with obsessive compulsive disorder, where I tell them, you know, yeah, there's germs out there, but we're pretty well taken care of as long as you have intact skin, you don't have any cuts or wounds where a germ might get into, you wash your hands, you know, just wash your hands appropriately throughout the day. If you you know, after before meals, you know, after uh, you get your hands dirty in any way, and that's about it. But that scrupulosity is like, no, there's bugs on my hand, and we're all going to die if I don't wash my hands <clears throat> every second of the day, 10 times, I got to do it 10 times within a half an hour, whatever it is. You notice that that's not healthy. It's obvious that that's not healthy. The same thing with scrupulosity in the spiritual life. It is absolutely not healthy. You can go to confession day and night, but these thoughts aren't going to go away until you finally approach it from a perspective of, hey, don't wash your hands and see what happens. Hey, has God condemned you? No, nothing's happened. So it's hard to get there. It's easy to say, hard to do. It's hard to get there. But I think this has a lot to do with it as well. As far as this gospel reading and as far as this part of the Lord's Prayer of the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses, you know, as we forgive those who trespass against us. If I'm trespassing against myself, am I forgiving myself? If we look at it from the perspective of the Gospel of Matthew, that that reading that or that verse we've been reading, three through five, it says, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Well, what's it going to take for me to take the speck out of my neighbor's eye so that I can tell him what he's doing wrong? So that um, I can no. What God is saying is, you've, if you haven't even stopped to forgive yourself. If you can't see your own faults and forgive yourself, how are you going to be able to truly forgive your neighbor's fault if you haven't even stopped to take a look at why they're doing what they're doing or what you think they're doing wrong? or You don't even know. We're making a quick judgment without even understanding. Well, are you doing that for yourself as well? Are you taking a step back and realizing you got to forgive yourself? You don't even understand what you did, maybe. Maybe you'll never understand what you did. But if you don't forgive yourself, you're not going to be able to move forward. Take the speck out of your own eye. If you haven't forgiven yourself, if you haven't gone through that process, it's an ugly process. Because in order to forgive ourselves, we have to, one, recognize what we did wrong. Two, understand the gravity of what we did wrong. And three, recognize that in spite of our ugliness, God is still willing to love us. Now I can approach my neighbor. If I've been there, if I have truly felt that sense of relief from the court of heaven, 
if I have truly felt that sense of, I went before the throne of God, I showed him all my ugliness, and yet he still loves me. He still released me of my sins, and he gave me fullness of the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven, just like the prodigal son comes back. He got right back to the fullness of his father's uh, house. Nothing was held back. There was a big party. God's doing that for me. How can I approach my neighbor? Am I going to approach my neighbor condemning them, telling them what they're doing is wrong, telling them that they're going to go to hell, telling them that? Or am I going to realize they deserve mercy and love too? They might just not realize it. What kind of gentleness does God show us every single day that we're still here and he gives us an opportunity to repent for our sins and to be forgiven? Am I going to show that same gentleness to my neighbor? as we forgive those who trespass against us. If I can't do that for myself, how am I going to do it for someone else? It's impossible. I think Lent, if nothing else, is a great time to not just give something up um, and not say, I'm going to turn into a monk, but more than anything else, recognize where we're at in our spiritual life and say, hey, what am I going to do this Lent? I'm going to work on forgiving myself. I'm going to work on recognizing my sins, not worry about what anybody else is doing, Take the time to recognize my sins and try to forgive myself every day, which means that I'm not going to make excuses for it. I'm not just going to say, oh, good. Then it doesn't matter. No, it matters. But I'm going to take a good look at it and say, what am I doing? What did I do? I need to change my life. That's the best way to do it. I'm going to forgive myself, and now I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Today, I'm going to start a new life. God, tell ourselves that every day. Because the problem is that if we start looking at it from, gosh, what did I do from the first day of Lent to now? Oh, I failed already. Oh, well, I give up. You know, two, three days I haven't followed through with that. I give up. You know, it's got to be an everyday thing. I think the best lens are when we start to say, you know, every day I'm going to try to forgive myself a little bit. I'm going to take the time out to say, what can I forgive myself for today? Which means that I recognize I'm not perfect. I'm not doing things 100%, but I'm going to try to get there. Can't do it without the help of God the Father, though, because as we said before, we're looking for his prescription. We're looking for... Uh, his guidance, if nothing else. Otherwise, it's going to be imperfect. Now, the next part is very important. The last part of the Our Father. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why is that? Because as I start on this path to forgiveness, as I start on the path towards following God's will, as I start on the path towards my mission towards heaven, what's going to happen? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? Well, it comes down to this. In Gospel of Matthew 4, Chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, how long is Lent? 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell the stones to become bread. Well, we're going to get into the temptations, but we have time here. I only have a few minutes left, but um, that's what's going to happen. This is what we got to be ready for. We're going to take those first steps in Lent. We're going to say, You know what? I'm going to forgive myself. Okay, this is great. Gosh, this is excellent. I feel so good. I'm not going to worry about what anybody else is going to do. It's just me and God. I'm going to feel pretty good about this. I saw what my sins were, and I've made a plan for myself to overcome. Man, I'm feeling pretty good. Okay, this is good. I'm going to keep walking forward. What's going to happen now? Why is it that the last line of the Our Father is about lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? And in fact, if you look at some of the original uh, translations of the Our Father, it says deliver us from the evil one. Well, if we're fasting 40 days and 40 nights, just as Jesus did in the desert, if we're going to compare our lives to that, what happened to Christ himself as he was in the desert? 
The devil smelled something good and he didn't like it. The devil smelled the odor of sanctity on Christ and he said, this guy needs a challenge. This guy thinks, oh, who, I don't know who he thinks he is, but he needs a challenge. This is what's going to happen to us is we hopefully become more Christ-like as we go through Lent, as we start to forgive ourselves, as we start to forgive others. We might end up with a little bit of an odor of sanctity. We might start to feel holy. We might start to really enjoy being in the presence of God. We might start to say, you know what? I really want to get to that holy hour. I want to get to in front of a tabernacle. I just want to go sit there for a little while. Nothing else is mattering for me. Well, what's going to happen? Well, how's that bad, Dr. Samuel? What are you talking about? Why would the devil come in at that point? Ah, because now the devil's going to say, gosh, look at how good you are. Can you take pride in that? Can you take a sense of, you know, ownership? Gosh, you're really holy now. God really loves you. You can look down on other people who aren't so perfect now because they're not good. You know better. Oh, look, you're, you're getting, you're leading a holy life. Yeah, God's going to give you the power to turn these stones into bread. Guess what? Since you've been so good, now you can fudge a little bit. No, that's not going to be a sin for you anymore because you're holy. God's not going to hold you accountable for that. You're you're much holier than all these other people, right? These are the, the, the temptations we fall into. Oh, I'm not as bad as that person. God's going to say, I'm not comparing you to that person. Remember when we started off with Lent, I'm looking at my own sins. I'm not looking at anybody else's. But now I start feeling holy. And what happens? The reverse is true. Wow, look at how bad people are. I'm not focusing on, on them. I'm not here to judge them. But all I'm saying is, I'm not quite that bad. Well, we fall into that trap. We fall into the trap to think, you know what? It's okay for me to do a little bit of this. I deserve it at this point because I've done really well. You know, and what is our approach to that? How do we, when we get into these temptations, these ideas, you know, God's going to protect you. It's no different than, hey, throw yourself down. You know, he will command the angels to concern you, concerning you, and they will lift you, lift up, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So the devil starts to quote Psalms to Christ and saying, throw yourself from that top of the tower, throw yourself off. Why not? You know, the devils are going to pick you, the angels are going to pick you up. Isn't that what scripture says? Isn't that in the Psalms? You know, your own, isn't that what your own father is telling you? If you are the son of God, it's kind of like we say, you know what? We see this in society today all the time. You know what? God's merciful. He's going to forgive everything. Don't worry about it. And what does Jesus say? Do not put your Lord, the Lord, your God to the test. That's not true. He's saying, that's not true. He's saying you're testing God at that point. And that's not what we want to do during our Lenten season. We want to keep it going. We want our hearts to be full of God. And we want to always recognize that, hey, it's not my rules. It's God rules. It's your will, not mine. Is why I don't want to end up with the last temptation. Hey, you can send, it's okay, and you can bow down and worship me, and this whole world will be yours. We see that a lot. Not where we want to be in Lent. In fact, we want the opposite. We want to say, I don't want anything from this. All I want to do this Lenten season focus on okay, my relationship with God. You know, as we're coming here to the end of the show, all I would say is, let's look up the Our Father and pray here in the closing moment. Of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.